What is the Xbox expansion pass? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, hello. Greetings. I am 343 Guilty Spark, monitor of Installation 04. Greetings to all of you reclaimers here on Xbox Expansion Pass. Hey, what's going on, guys? This is Tim DeDabo. Yes, this is my real voice. And yes, I would be there, but you blew me out of the sky. Congratulations on this, man. This is momentous. Almost 100 episodes of this. I can't believe it. Oh, I remember when I was 100, so very, very long ago. <laughs> Xbox Expansion. Welcome one, welcome all to episode 102 of the Xbox Expansion Pass, recorded on Sunday, October 3rd, 2021. I am your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost. In this episode, we look back at the week's news, discussing the Xbox Accessibility Showcase, review the announcements coming out of the Tokyo Game Show, and check out some of the latest upgrades to hit the system, including Dolby Vision. Enjoy. Yet another week of gaming is upon us and behind us. Welcome to XCP, discussing all things in the Gamerverse as they pertain to the Xbox ecosystem. And as I am wont to do each and every week, I like to start the show by offering words of kindness to those who have made my gaming week better. And this week, the words of kindness go to my good friend, Captain Logan, who hosts a Sea of Thieves podcast and creates all types of content surrounding Sea of Thieves. And it was actually a question that he wrote in this week about the Xbox Accessibility Showcase that caused me to turn my eyes and attention towards that showcase specifically, and after watching it, my heart is full, my day is brightened, and I realized that his question allowed me to see something that I otherwise would have missed in a bevy of work announcements, school announcements, and plenty of gaming news surrounding it. So Captain Logan, thank you for your question. It brought to light some wonderful emotions, and I got to see some very cool things that we'll discuss later in this episode. Let's get to it. Well, as I said in the opening, plenty of Xbox gaming news to discuss, and I think it most appropriate to start right away with the Xbox Accessibility Showcase, which took place this past week. I was uh, stunned that I didn't really have this on my radar, and thanks to Captain Logan, I had put it on my radar, and just this morning, finished watching the showcase in its entirety, and as I said a moment ago, my heart is full. I was a bit skeptical when the showcase began, and I would encourage any and all content creators, gamers, and Xbox fans alike to go check this out because I learned a bevy of things from it. In the opening moments, Phil Spencer was there introducing himself as a white male with a black shirt and blue sweatshirt on. And I was a bit taken aback just by the, the bluntness of that given all the things that we've discussed over the past few years as far as inclusion in gaming, but also representing, uh, sorry, representation and just why he would introduce himself that way. But it came quickly to understand that every person that appeared on screen was identifying themselves uh, by what they looked like to help those with visual impairments. And then there was sign language going on throughout the show with for those with audio impairments. Subtitles were taking place. People described what they looked like. They described their, their pronouns as they had, uh, enjoyed them. 
And it was really fascinating to see and hear all the different accessibility options that Microsoft has been rolling out over the years to bring in a number of gamers from all different types of backgrounds, disabilities, and otherwise. It was, it was I think, heartwarming is, is the best way to put it when I realized why they were doing what they were doing and the steps that they were taking with different programs within Xbox to bring more people into gaming. Microsoft has been saying for years at this point that gaming is a place for everybody, but it was nice to see that it wasn't just a PR line, which so many companies can do, and Microsoft themselves in years past have done before as well. It was uh, telling, I think, in the different ways that they showed the accessibility features that the Xbox Series S and X devices now have included in them, and they're things they're bringing to the Xbox One platforms as well as cloud gaming. Uh, One of the really neat things that I saw was they now have uh, a hub called the Accessibility Spotlight on the Xbox Dash that you can go to to find games that feature specific accessibility approaches for games that specialize with, with options for, say, things like subtitles or menu narration. That's a really cool feature uh, that they've put kind of into that hub for those with visual or, or audio impairments. There were different uh, sliders that are now in effect and available under the accessibility menus of the Xbox system for people with different variations of colorblindness or color or light sensitivities for turning up and down the button brightness on your controllers, which is a feature that anybody could enjoy regardless of of disability or accessibility say you want to watch a movie you can turn down that big xbox logo or turn it up to be brighter so you can find your controller Uh, but putting those things into the system on a system level was really neat to see why and how they're going about doing that there was so much attention brought to the accessibility controller that microsoft rolled out a few years ago to help different people uh, with physical impairments access gaming and we were seeing more and more of that being put into practice there were content creators during this showcase with visual audio and physical impairments at at various levels and seeing them discuss the progress that's being made but also the progress that still needs to be made was really fascinating and again uplifting in many ways knowing that microsoft has people specializing in accessibility uh, from the fully able to the disabled involved in their programs to, to bring this to more gamers was really neat to watch just how they were doing it. There was an entire segment on neuroscience and how the, these, this neuroscience institute was using something like Minecraft to help those who uh, have social impairments to communicate with one another, to work with one another, how their Microsoft is employing people who may not necessarily interview well or need to develop interview skills, but who have incredible Uh, intellectual gifts and and offerings that might be impaired by social elements there was just a a a a fascinating and uplifting vibe and i keep using those words but that's because they're so apt and so appropriate to what we were watching it was it was very neat to watch um, to see and to hear and to notice the little things in the background like at various points the presenters who were not the specified uh, sign language interpreters, they would just start speaking in sign language just because they knew it and they enjoyed spotlighting and bringing attention to accessibility so that more people could be involved in the world of gaming. Uh, I talked about the the accessibility spotlight on that the hub and the dash. There's also something called an Accessibility Insiders League that 
anybody can join, especially if they self-identify with a disability of some kind. And through that hub, people are able to discuss you know, ways to bring about better accessibility for more gamers uh, across the entire Xbox ecosystem in much the way a participant in a beta might offer feedback to the developers. I thought that was a really, really cool thing to watch. Uh, we had a question from Captain Logan about Disability Awareness Month uh, and how Sony offers game help through PS Plus uh, for in-game tips and videos. He asked me if I've ever used that on the PlayStation side and if that was a was something that the Xbox should have as well. And I've never used that. I've never found the need to use that on PlayStation. Of course, most of my gaming time is spent on Xbox by choice. Uh, but when I, I, I never felt the need for those specific types of things, including the amount of uh, options and abilities like there's a co-pilot feature on xbox and there's something similar to it on playstation um, my needs have never seen me need that logan and so i've never really uh, made myself overly interested on a personal level to check those out so my knowledge comes from seeing stuff like this uh, that said i know of many parents who have used features like that uh, as far as an in-game help thing i i don't know that that's necessary uh, per se on a system level, but it it may in fact be necessary. I'm thinking about people with young with young children or those who might be stuck. But for me, for someone who is fully able-bodied, able-minded, and, and capable of just picking up my phone and Googling something, I've not had to combat that frustration. If that's a barrier for others, though, I would imagine Microsoft is uh, you know surveying what PlayStation's doing, Nintendo's doing, and working to make sure that now, they continue to do what they can do right by by their own you know ecosystem and gamers within their ecosystem, and I don't say that lightly. You know, I mean, there's a lot of uh, podcasts in the gaming space out there who would say, "Well, you know, X company's doing this, but my company's doing it better." I think in this particular context, we've seen Microsoft and Xbox specifically work very hard across a number of years to prove this. Uh, on a game level and on a system level that I feel like they would be watching their financial competition in Sony, but also just what others are doing well in the accessibility space. They have an entire division dedicated to that. Uh, so I, I would think that if that is a feature that is being well used or well appreciated or requested, they are certainly investigating it on some level. But I do not have hard evidence on that. I did reach out to Microsoft, Logan, about having somebody on the show to see if we can gets you know have an accessibility specialist from microsoft from xbox on xep to discuss that um who knows whether that that will play out or not but i did reach out because i would love to have a better answer for your question and have somebody who is more knowledgeable and educated within that space uh, on the show to help us expand our knowledge on it that's the whole point of xep now we'll see if xbox is able to accommodate it uh you know you never know um one of the other kind of aspects of this that I really appreciated was they brought on they brought on uh, someone from 343 to talk about Halo Infinite which is you know in beta right now or there, there have been flights we should call them uh, and it's coming out on December 8th and they asked uh, not missing a PR chance to spotlight Halo of course they said all right what are you doing within Halo Infinite to help with accessibility some of these features I've used myself you can customize the, the color outlines of enemies and friendlies in multiplayer to have more pop on screen or to adapt to different types of color blindness. Uh, anybody can do this. This is something that's built in at a game level. Um, I changed them because I found that certain colors popped for me and helped me spot enemies and friendlies with more ease. 
but it's also there to help those with colorblindness as well. So that's a great accessibility option. There was also a really cool representation aspect of it that they've been putting in. And since Kinect launched years and years ago, they've been trying to find ways for players to control and see themselves in games, you know, years back. See themselves in games by way of Kinect was an interesting aspect of it, but also like their avatars and such, you know, being in a wheelchair or having prosthetic limbs and, and, and the like. And Halo Infinite features Spartans that can have prosthetic limbs anywhere and all over their body. It's a military-based shooter with a military background, and they partnered with a number of uh, military and veteran organizations, particularly those who work in uh, prosthesis, so that gamers who perhaps have a prosthesis, either from a war wound or, or, or otherwise, can have a Spartan and is customized to look like them. And I, that was just a, a nice little, I thought, nod and, and respectful approach to doing that because it would make sense if you have a war game that you would have soldiers, particularly in the Spartan program, that would have prosthetic limbs. But similarly speaking, for those uh, veterans of any military, not just American, to be able to represent themselves in a, in a world and universe that they like, but also have a, an identifying marker similar to what they might have, I thought was very, very cool. And that, that again, warmed my heart. This was such a feel-good story for me, and your question brought about attention to it, and so I was so thankful for it. But also, thing, they talked about other on in-game things, not just with Halo Infinite, but a lot of their games... For example, menu narration being set on by default, the ability to customize the opacity and size of subtitles, things like that. And I've noticed that a bit in my gaming over the last two years, actually, from Ubisoft titles, Microsoft titles, and, and plenty more. I'm just, just not recalling which publishers at the moment. But menu narration is on by default. And for me, completely unnecessary. And, I'll, and I remember the first time I was annoyed by it. And I was like, why is this happening to me? And not why is this happening, that's dramatic. What I mean to say is, like, why is this happening? It was the first time it happened. I'm like, I don't need the menu talking to me. I find that frustrating. And in two seconds, I could turn it off or adjust it. But for somebody who has never had that option, and the moment I, I stepped back and accepted a bit of my humility and realized how immature my initial thought was, it was really cool. It was really cool to realize that they're able to bring more people into this universe by a simple way of a menu narration in the beginning so there's not a barrier in the first moment you beat up, boot up a game. And that was cool. And it was humbling. And it reminded me to not be so judgmental. And these are the lessons that I and we should all uh, strive to learn as we welcome more people into our gaming world. So uh, that was that's kind of my bit on the accessibility uh, options there right now. I would encourage content creators to go and watch this because it gave me a perspective as a creator to recognize more gamers that would be within our ecosystem. And if you just have an interest, a passing interest, or you're a parent, uh, or you have a disability yourself, go ahead and YouTube the Xbox Accessibility Showcase 2021, uh, and I think your, your heart will be as warmed as mine, for sure. Also happening this past week was the Tokyo Game Show, in which Xbox had announced ahead of time. Aaron Greenberg came out on Twitter and said specifically that there would be big announcements, but they would be region-specific. That is to say, you would hear region-specific news that would be of note, but you would not necessarily see an announcement for something like, say, Gear 6. And there really was quite a bit of news to come out of this show that was both eyebrow-raising and exciting. Uh, first of all, Phil Spencer opened the show by greeting everyone in Japanese and saying that uh, they have an intention at, at Xbox to 
produce and add more Japanese games to their lineup. That's something we've seen uh, over the past few years, them trying to get more Japanese representation by way of the Kingdom Hearts and Final Fantasy franchise, particularly getting them into Game Pass, which was a smart move. The Yakuza series comes to mind. But uh, there was a there were several pieces of note that I took uh, kind of took away from it. First, Spencer reiterated that Japan is the fastest growing market for Xbox anywhere in the world. That is to say that in Japan, they are growing faster than any other region or country. And that is really exciting to hear. But there's the extra caveat to say that it is very difficult to grow when you are already doing very, very well in a country. But if you have a smaller starting point, you might see quick growth if you have a big hit uh, out the gate. And then, and what's interesting about this is uh, prior to this announcement, xCloud, Halo Infinite, and Forza 5, the three biggest kind of pillars uh, of engagement for this back half of the year, have not yet released. But speaking of xCloud, they announced during this showcase that xCloud was arriving to Japan uh, the following day, that is, it's going to start on October 1st, so by the time you're hearing this, xCloud has been released in Japan, but not only Japan, xCloud is now available in Australia, Mexico, and Brazil. And this is an absolutely huge, huge, huge announcement. While in the United States and, and several of the other kind of regions where XCP is most popular, xCloud is less used because of shelter-in-place, internet infrastructure, and the less... Uh, or the ways that we traverse and travel, we far less public transportation is used in the United States and in uh, Canada and, and in some parts of Europe, whereas in several Asian regions, public transportation is very common. As such, people are hands-free and able to uh, experience xCloud. There's also other elements to that, but that is an example for why you might see more xCloud engagement. But for xCloud to be launching in those regions on October 1st and allow us to, to round out the year and see the growth of what xCloud is going to bring uh, different gamers along with the games that have been added into Game Pass, which is linked, of course, to xCloud experiences and the two pillar franchises of Halo and Forza launching later this year. There's a lot to be excited about. This is a big, big, big announcement to happen. It may not be uh, specific to many uh, of the listeners of XCP, but to people around the world, uh, outside of English-speaking countries, this is big news. When you have Forza Horizon 5, which is set to blow the socks off people, available to anyone with fast downloads and, and xCloud access, a lot of people are going to be experiencing that franchise for the first time. Moreover, people are going to be able to experience the free-to-play multiplayer of Halo Infinite when that launches in more ways that, and more places than ever before. This is a, a huge stepping stone that if Xbox can land it, is going to allow them inroads into more regions that PlayStation has particularly dominated in, that Nintendo has dominated in, and it's going to do so by allowing people to play Xbox games without having an Xbox. That's been, long since been the promise of xCloud. To see it launch into these regions is uh, exciting. It is exciting to say the least. I believe cloud gaming is indeed the future, and while I always personally would like to have a console, many of the younger generations are not interested in that. They just want to log on and play, and with a couple taps, you're able to play, and my personal experiences with xCloud have continuously demonstrated to me that it's very doable. Playing Hades with touch controls, very doable. Shocking. Surprised me. Couldn't believe it, but there it was, and it was working well. Uh, when I went on a trip a few weeks ago, I took my tablet and played xCloud on that and linked it to a controller and just went to it. That was really, really exciting for sure. Uh, I also wanted to note that Phil Spencer had Shinji Mikami uh, 
speaking very briefly, of course, of Ghostwire Tokyo, uh, and he mentioned that the Evil Within Two uh, is sorry. I said I said Ghostwire Tokyo. I meant Tango Game Works. Shinji's Mikami. Pardon me for that. Um, but uh, the Evil Within 2's director is working on a new game, but did not go further than that. So that's kind of cool, for sure. Uh, more games are also getting localized to Japan specifically, which is exciting. Games like Redfall and Starfield and more to come. That's awesome to see. Localization has been a huge conversation point for many different aspects of Xbox over the past few years. I remember Windows Central's Jez Corden uh, some months back kind of spotlighting a failure of Xbox in this category, uh, and then <laughs> consistently loud Xbox voice Destin Legary also made a video that, that tended to garner some attention as well uh, on this topic, but it was nice to see that upcoming big titles are going to have Japanese localization with um, you know, the Japanese actors going along with it, 150 lines of dialogue are going to, 150,000 lines of dialogue are going to be included in Starfield's efforts. Stuff like that is cool, and it's good to note because when I play a game that isn't localized for North American voices or doesn't sound accurate, I'm a little put off. Right? Some of the games that have launched into uh, Xbox Game Pass, which we'll mention in just a moment. Uh, something like Scarlet Nexus, the Japanese voices for me are not endearing. I don't enjoy that, though there is a huge subset of people that do. For me, it does not. If it's localized and has you know North American voices and, and vernacular, to me, that's a, a better experience. But everybody should be able to play the way they want to play. And that's dope. That is dope. I mentioned Xbox Game Pass and kind of coinciding with the Tokyo Game Show, but not necessarily directly related to it. Plenty of games dropped into Game Pass this past week, including the aforementioned Scarlet Nexus. That uh, RPG has gotten a lot of attention this year. People seem to be very high on it, and that is exciting. I think a lot of people are enjoying that one. Also launching into Game Pass was Lemnis Gate, Mighty Goose, which Mighty Goose looks super dope, by the way. You should check it out. And, of course, me old favorite uh, Marvel's Avengers has launched into Game Pass as well. I know a couple people wrote in asking me whether or not I thought that could save Avengers by be being into Game Pass. The game does not need saving. Um, it has its own flaws, and I think they're well documented. It's also documented that I like the game. But uh, the game is what it is at this point, and there's a huge amount of quality of life updates. I've seen a lot of people uh, in social spaces really praising the game in its current state versus where it was. Uh, I think at this point, those who have decided not to like it just don't like it, and that is absolutely fine. Everyone's great to do that and enjoy that. But I did kind of get a kick out of the fact that more people were checking it out with all those improvements, checking out Black Panther, checking out what it's got going on. And it's cool just to see that happening. You know, people are celebrating a game that, man, oh man, did it start rough. But uh, do I think it'll save the game? No, but it is cool to see more players checking out and enjoying it. And I said that the game's not in trouble. I meant that, by the way. Um, I have on good authority from people I've spoken with uh, in and around that game that the game is making bank right now, which surprised me, uh, given the low player count by way of what they thought they would have. But uh, apparently those MCU skins and Black Panther are doing very well for them. So that's kind of cool to hear, you know. All right. What's going on, everybody? This is Malik Prince from Team Xbox, and you're listening to the Xbox Expansion Pass. <laughs> The Halo Infinite flight has taken place for a big team battle this past weekend. By the time you're listening to it, the third flight will be likely be completed. And uh, yet again, people are leaving this flight, myself included, very impressed with what was on display. The Halo Infinite beta continues to impress. 
every time we've seen it and i hope that we do not see it again until launch for sure i do not think we need to keep having flights uh to raise awareness of the game or whatnot unless they need them specifically i mean they really opened the floodgates on this last one and almost anybody was able to get in and play it and that game is absolutely sublime with that year of polish clearly shining in its multiplayer uh, lots of people writing in asking questions about this we'll go first with uh, Court Lalonde, Court, by the way, launched a new Xbox podcast called, uh, I believe it was, it's Assemble XP. Court, you correct me on that one. I'm going off memory for that one, but congratulations. Uh, Court says, what has been the most significant improvements to the Halo multiplayer from previous generations? Court, I am not an expert in multiplayer, though I play a lot of it. This is something for Ainsley Bowden of Season Gaming to talk about because he gets into the nitty gritty, whereas Halo for me is uh, something I play regularly in multiplayer, but I also just love the story. That said, uh, the accessibility options I mentioned earlier in the show, the ability to customize the colors of the enemies has been great. There is a wonderful balance of weapons right now that I'm really liking in what this latest flight has shown. The time to kill seems perfect. It is a very comfortable balance of classic Halo formula that old guys would really like to something that is more approachable for people in the modern generations. I still have questions as to whether or not the, the younger generations will get into it. I'm talking about the kids that are into Fortnite and COD. But I can tell you without a doubt, knowing the state that COD is in, seeing what I've seen about Battlefield, this is Halo's time to shine. And they really might deliver on just an absolute killer app in a multiplayer suite, which despite my being a Halo fan, is not something I've been able to say. There's been a lot of great things to celebrate in the Halo world in the past three games with the Halo Wars titles uh, and 4 and 5, but it was never a complete package, and there was always caveats to it. And so far, the multiplayer on this feels near perfect. I love the color combinations. I love the weapons, the balancing, the speed at which things are going. My favorite thing is the... the uh, grapple hook the idea that I can you know shoot a grapple hook and, and spider-man my way through a level it gives me titanfall vibes I really hope they make that a standard equipment piece as opposed to a pickup because it's just so uh, useful but also it feels good and it's very balanced uh, this game feels special and I'm not saying that as a halo fan I fully recognize that I am a diehard halo fan and that there is a subjectivity to my approach that damages my objectivity but everything I've seen about this game uh, from other people outside of myself and my own circles is positive. Uh, my own impressions are very positive. There might be something very special here. So I think this is going to be one to watch for a lot of reasons. But people like Todd Oxtra, who wrote in with a great question, still have doubts, and I think that is a fair thing to have. He said, To follow up on my previous Halo questions, do we expect to see more PvE modes, or could the campaign to incorporate strikes and other PvE content. I also saw Todd talking about this on his own Twitter, at Todd Oxtra, in saying that his, his caution and his worry about Halo is he doesn't like PvP, and games like Destiny have spoiled him because they have so many great PvE options. Um, Todd, from what I understand, you're going to have a great campaign experience, and if the gameplay is you know like the multiplayer, you're golden, but you're going to have a good PvE set of experiences in the campaign proper, but there are modes that are coming to Infinite that will allow for PvE to shine. I know there are some things that are just not launching when the game first goes out, and lots of major titles are doing this. They're having modes excluded. I mean, most recently, The Last of Us just you know blew the socks off everybody when it launched, and that is still missing its multiplayer mode, despite it being promised as an included package. Um, so it's normal for games to launch without modes right away in favor of launching well, and I'm glad Microsoft is making that choice, although it is disappointing, I grant you. 
there are PVE options coming. There are things on the way. They certainly, I know on, on firsthand, by the way, I know firsthand from some, those within the team that they've learned a lot from the intended efforts of Warzone, which was a PvPVE option in Halo 5. They've learned a lot from Spartan Ops, which is a PvE multiplayer mode in Halo 4, both of which had cool merits but fell short of what they were hoping it would do You know, by, by a pretty long margin there. Um, they're working to make Infinite a platform where players who want to play single player and multiplayer have options, and that includes PvE content. I just don't know how much you'll have right away, and, and I don't have a good answer. Please don't take that to mean doom and gloom. I just don't know the answer. I think they've kept a lot of that, kept a lot of that publicly shrouded for right now, and I'm fine with that, to be very clear. Uh, let's see. Suddy, James Suddy, my good buddy, asks, uh, I said, he says, I know you've been playing Halo Infinite. Is there anything that you have experienced thus far that just doesn't fit? Or is everything just as you want? Is there anything from the Halo lore that you haven't seen that you want to see included? Suddy, that's a great set of questions surrounding an idea of, like, you know, what have we not seen that I want to see? We've only seen one big team battle map, and I can't say... I'm hugely thrilled with it, though it is very good. All the maps in this flight are better than any map in Halo 5, but, like, by a long shot. Um, but I would love to see more options for vehicles. I haven't gotten to drive a Scorpion or a Wasp yet, and I love those two vehicles a lot. The grapple hook should be more readily available and usable, though um, I understand why they're holding back on it just a bit so that we're not all zipping around playing Titanfall 3 instead of Halo Infinite. But I want the grapple hook more often. And as far as the lore, there's a lot of stuff within the map that are really neat cues and looks into uh, about the Halo universe. And speaking about the big team battle map, I think it's called Fragmentation. Uh, but nothing crazy. And they've kept a lot of that under wraps, and I understand why. As an avid reader of the books, we've seen a lot of different little elements that are building towards the story of Infinite. I think I understand how the Banished are going to come into play. I think I understand how the Forerunners are going to come into play with Cortana and the, ban and the not the Banished, um, the AI that she is manipulating and taking over and swaying. Uh, there's been a Forerunner weapon redesign in Halo Infinite, which I think is really good. It suits the game well. There's a lot of sterility, if you look at Halos 4 and 5, with Forerunner tech, uh, specifically the Prometheans is what I'm speaking about. And that seems to be... We haven't seen anything with... with the actual Prometheans themselves, but the weapon design seems to be modified just a bit. I'm thinking about the heat wave at this moment. Um, I'm excited for what I've got, but there's little known about the stuff that you're really asking about in terms of lore, uh, and I think that'll come down the line. But what I don't want, and this is a bigger topic, I don't want more Halo Infinite. Now that this flight is done, let's just keep it quiet until, until uh, the 20th anniversary of Halo when that new controller and the new system launch ahead of the actual Infinite proper launch on December 8th. I'm, I would imagine we see content drops into Forza Horizon 5 that are Halo-specific, similar to the race we had in Halo, or in Forza Horizon 4. That's when we should be talking about Halo again. But for October and most of November, let's keep it quiet. Let, let other games be spotlighted, and let's no more talk about Halo Infinite, because otherwise people will get, will get uh, tired of it and they'll be disenfranchised with it. There are That's already happening to some people, though they might be the more critical uh, of gamers, or maybe they weren't initially interested in it as well. But this is going to be a big game, and it's going to be a big game in a way that we have not had a big Halo game since perhaps Halo 3. And again, I'm a diehard Halo fan, but this one's different. <laughs>
before we get to the rest of the listener mail, I do want to talk about briefly the initiative in Crystal Dynamics, the partnership that I was very hard on last week, and I stand by all of my criticisms that I offered last week. However, in hearing some gaming journalists, those that are kind of respected in the gaming space, tend to be very objective and offer valid criticisms where they offer it. I stand by my trepidation and my concern that the initiative would be partnering with uh, a company like Crystal Dynamics for Perfect Dark. I stand by my concerns that it's first person, whereas Crystal Dynamics focuses in third person. That said, some of the explanations that were offered by, again, these respected journalists, I'm thinking about people like Ryan McCaffrey and such, uh, makes sense. As opposed to taking the time and energy that would go into uh, hiring two, 300 different levels of game developers, uh, the initiative is able to just kind of rent this service out, as many AAA studios do. Uh, and in grabbing Crystal Dynamics, they have a proven track record of top-tier games in the Tomb Raider trilogy, so it makes sense that, that they would do this as opposed to far- focusing their energy on kind of hiring and specific needs therein. Now they can just send those needs to Crystal Dynamics as they work on Perfect Dark. Um, there were consistent quotes floating about that were accurate in saying that the initiative wants to stay mobile and agile and fairly small by comparison to the projects they're creating. And this to me sounds interesting. I don't know what that truly is going to look like at the end of the day, but I am less bothered by the partnership with Crystal Dynamics than I initially was. Still have trepidation. Of course, uh, Avengers really let down a lot of people in a lot of ways. I love the Tomb Raider trilogy. I don't trust Square. I'm excited about Guardians of the Galaxy. Squaresoft and CD, there's just a lot of layers to this partnership between the initiative and Crystal Dynamics proper. That said, that said, uh, I'm less bothered than I was, than I was. So take that for what you will. Quick upgrades uh, that the Xbox console got over this past week. There's a program called Metal, or a social service called Metal, M-E-D-A-L, that is allowing people to upload clips specifically to, to their service and... That's supposed to be kind of smoothing and streamlining the video capture service. This is different than the Xbox system level stuff. I have not tried it. I have not really looked into it. I just saw the announcement and took kind of an eyebrow raise to it. That's kind of neat. Dolby Vision was also announced to be available for those with the TVs that can support it. Uh, I've seen mixed results. I've turned it on myself. I've seen some some games look way better with, with you know blacker blacks, brighter whites, uh, and such. But I've also seen some people say that they've had issues with like color balancing and weird pop in and out type stuff. Anytime you have new tech involved, uh, I, I don't really understand Dolby Vision outside of reading. Like I can read you what I have pulled up on my screen right now, but in large part, it sounds to me like a better version of HDR and you have to have a specific type of TV that can run it. You know, it's got to be Dolby Vision capable. I have an LG CX-9 and it, it does do Dolby Vision, cool. Some games support it, cool. But, uh, you know, is this necessary? I think it's just a quality of life improvement for those who have kind of the luxury elements that come to uh, having a very expensive or nice TV or, or, or whatnot. I can't say that it's changing my gaming experience the way that, like, Dolby Audio did. Uh, this just seems to be a little bit sharper in some games and not worth it in others. I, I'm not really too sure there. Uh, State of Decay 2, Juggernaut Edition, got an upgrade with an older map and, and much higher frame rate. I'm still ready to jump back into this. I need to get my buddy Kevin uh, to, to jump back in with me because there is no better zombie game than State of Decay 2 right now. I say that with no qualms and no doubts. It's just that good. 
Uh, but it didn't launch that good, right? And this is another example of a game launching meh and then landing in this great stratosphere. So I know through the month of October, when I'm done with Alan Wake, which I'm playing right now, and I can't say more than that, um, I will probably jump into State of Decay and Back for Blood as my two kind of other spooky October horror-type games for sure. Uh, Far Cry 6 is coming out this week, this week coming up. I, I know, I, whether I get a code or not, I mean, like, I'm, I'm slated to, I think, and I don't really care. Uh, that's a weird, weird position to be in, to see my fellow content creators playing it right now. Meanwhile, I'm putting my attention into other titles. Um, I'm just not really excited about Far Cry. There's nothing that I've seen so far that tells me I need to absolutely run and pick this one up, especially with the frequency that Ubisoft titles go on sale. This is already looking like a wait for sale for me, but I've not gone hands-on yet. I don't know when I would find the time, if I'm being honest. I'm just enjoying too many other games at the moment. Again, Alan Wake Remastered. Uh, and then Back for Blood is coming out. And then after that, Guardians of the Galaxy, which I was not going to play. And now I'm absolutely going to play after the impressions that have come out. Like, I feel like my October is filled. And then November, I'll have some time. Forza Horizon 5 will be in there. But uh, there's just so much going on, right? There's just so much going on with, with games, for sure. Uh, and I'm working on some interviews for you guys. I have two that I have confirmed that I'm excited to happen later this year. And I'm reaching out for more. Uh, one of them is a bit of a self-indulgence one because I want to talk to this actor about the characters they portray in Xbox-relevant games, and we'll see if that comes to pass for sure. Let's get to some listener mail here. Uh, let's see. Captain Logan, once again, Sony is starting impl to implement changes to PlayStation 5's OS. Most Xbox fans are content with the system features, but what's one feature you think is ignored or what's one feature that Sony has that you'd like to see? Uh, I'm going to invite the audience to answer this one because I don't think I've booted up my PS5 since I finished Miles Morales. Um, all my third-party stuff I play on Xbox for sure. And I use my PS5 as, a, as an exclusive machine. Uh, so I know I'm going to kick Ratchet up before the end of the year, maybe on holiday break. Um, but I don't actually know off the top of my head. I know that I really disliked the PlayStation 5's OS. Um, at launch, really disliked it, especially the way to turn off the system. I would press that, press and hold that PlayStation button, and it would not do what I wanted it to do. Um, but I really liked that XMB style that the PlayStation 4 launched with. So we'll see what what comes to pass with that one. But as far as the Microsoft OS, it can get a bit busy at times. They have that sponsored box in the bottom right, which I get makes them a lot of money, but sometimes feels a little bit tacky. As long as the, uh, I don't know, I have mixed feelings about that one. Uh, for you, for you, Captain Logan, you said the share software is it for me. Xbox system just isn't on par. That's not something I've had to contend or deal with. Again, I, I sometimes hate when I can't answer your questions like this. Not you specifically, but in general, because my experiences haven't dictated that I need to check it out. Right? Like since work from home or shelter in place uh, of. Um, coronavirus took place, I used xCloud less. And then since going back to work, well, I live five minutes from work, so I was like, Meh, I don't use xCloud. And then things like game sharing or software share, I just I have no need for it or I don't have anyone that I would do that with. 
So I don't know firsthand. So my answers are lackluster for you, and I apologize for that. But I'm bringing them up so that any other listener can write in or reach out to Captain Logan on Twitter and give a good answer for this one. What's something that PlayStation does well and has that Microsoft does not do well and have uh, on a system level? We're not talking about like game catalog or things like that. But it's a good question. I just need to have a better answer for you. Uh, let's see. The last questions come from Mr. Dano. Uh, he says, how are things, bro? How are the school semester going? Some of my teacher friends are getting those. May feels that a teacher can't wait for a semester to finish. Uh, and if you can't answer that, where is the Xbox mini fridge pre-order announcement? We got a month before November 15th. Oh, man. Dano, things are mixed. Um, I'm coaching soccer right now in addition to teaching a full slate of, of seventh grade English. And it's tough. It's really tough. We are really not treated well in North Carolina um, by our states. We don't get treated well at all. We cannot afford bus drivers, so teachers are being tapped to do that. People are quitting left and right, and all the while our kids are suffering, and that sucks. Um, it's exhausting to like take all the COVID procedures and then amidst all of that, see parents and students who don't value masks or don't value vaccines and such, and you just want to shake them and, and remind them people, 700,000 people have passed away. It's very very emotionally difficult and it is for that reason that i'm just sometimes i'm just not active on twitter like i once was um it's been taxing my emotions a lot i've been thinking about other careers which sucks because teaching is my favorite thing in the world um, but we are not well treated and it's it's really rough it's really rough um if i was a first year teacher or in my early parts of my career i would absolutely be done but because i have the financial stability that i have thanks to my wife it's a little bit easier to manage but because uh, I'm not hungry at the end of every month, but man, it's 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 hard. Let's just say that it's hard. But uh, I will double down and say I have amazing students this year. Uh, I've had amazing students every year of my career, and they are the reason I do it. So that keeps me going. But I get really frustrated with those who won't wear their mask or those that don't vaccinate. Because I mean, how many friends within our gaming community are gone because of COVID? You know what I'm saying? It's just it's so frustrating. And all the while they. Prom- they- <laughs> There are bosses and people in the higher-up realms that haven't been in a classroom in 10 years and 15 years, and they have no clue what they're talking about, and that's just crazy. Um, as far as the Xbox mini fridge, dude, I don't know. I And you know what? Real talk, I had set aside money to get that thing. I straight up forgot that I was going to get that thing, and I spent that money on the Elite controller. So I don't know what I'm going to do with that one now because I want one, but, man, that Elite controller with... With the Master Chief stuff looks so cool. But I know you liked it already. I tweeted it. The moment I saw your question, I tweeted Aaron Greenberg. Uh, and at this time, he has not yet responded. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know that I'm on Aaron Greenberg's radar. Oh, man. Guys, I talked about Alan Wake. and I can't, or Rather, I did not talk about Alan Wake, but I told you that I'm playing the remaster at the moment. Um, I can't say more than that for the moment. Uh, I have been playing Hot Wheels Unleashed. I bought that game and love that game. If you are excited for Forza Horizon 5, buy Forza, uh, buy Hot Wheels Unleashed right now. It's 50 bucks. Go get it. That is a great arcade racer. It's going to get you all the feels, all the vibes. Um, it is a high-quality game that will stun and surprise you. Lots of great content coming to that one. I have enjoyed every single minute I've played with it, and the reviews are astounding. Uh, it's getting nines and nine, eights and nines all over the place and, and top-tier, uh, well-reviewed aggregate sites. I recommend Hot Wheels Unleashed myself, absolutely. I even bought the one that has the first expansion pass because 
not next, not during October, but in November, it's getting, or is it early December? It's getting a Batman-specific expansion. So, like, Gotham City, we're going to be racing around in, which is really cool. But in the game, you can get Kit from Knight Rider, the Ninja Turtles van. You can get the DeLorean, and my personal favorite, the Batmobile, which I have not unlocked yet. It's driving me crazy. Um, there are no microtransactions in that game, by the way, although it does have blind boxes that you would think would use microtransactions, but they said they have no intention of it. Uh, I am, I'm loving, loving, loving Hot Wheels Unleashed, and I would recommend it to all of you guys. All right, that's going to be it for me. If you've enjoyed the episode, please take the time to rate this thing over on iTunes. Court Lalonde showed me all the Canadian reviews that have popped in that I can't see from my American portal, uh, and that brightened my day to no end. Uh, I'm almost to 75 American reviews, which is really cool. I'm north of 20 in Canada, which is really neat. And in Europe, they aggregate differently, so that's why I haven't commented on you guys. But I so appreciate all the support of you guys listening to XEP. Check it out on YouTube. You can find me on Twitter at InsipidGhost or email me insipidghost at gmail.com. That's it for me. Take care, everybody.